It's time for 41 is the Mike, a weekly Chiefs podcast with Nick Jacobs of KSHB 41 and Matt Derrick of Chiefs Digest. 41 is the Mike starts now. Welcome, everyone, to the Super Bowl upcoming edition of 41 is the Mike. I am Matt Derrick from Chiefs Digest alongside Nick Jacobs from KSHB 41 and Super Bowl enthusiast Nick Jacobs. That's right. That's the only type of enthusiast I want to be, (laughs) other than NFL draft. (laughs) But four times out of five years, the Kansas City Chiefs are heading back to the Super Bowl. Nick, can you believe it? I mean, look, I, I just think the road that they've been on to get to the point this year, this is, to me, their most impressive one. Other than the first one, and the reason I say that is just because navigating something like that that's so new and and being able to handle the nerves of those moments that it took to get to that point, and then you take kind of what you have on papers with some of the roster and just kind of what they were putting on the field there up until you know christmas time like you know you kind of wondered what what would or wouldn't happen or could they raise their level and you don't want to count them out because you know the coaching staff and andy reed but you just you needed to physically see it to be able to believe it and they went through a gauntlet to get to the super bowl this time to go through the dolphins the bills the ravens and have to play three consecutive games three weeks in a row two of them on the road like that's that's what makes it nobody will ever be able to say again how can how will Patrick Mahomes perform on the road in not only a playoff game but a conference championship can never say it again it's been seen done and the people can move on with their lives on that one I mean, the only thing really left that he has to do would be if the Chiefs ever are a wild card team and has to go through three road games to get yeah. to the Super Bowl. Yeah. That's the only thing left on the list. Yeah. But this, I mean, yeah, they take out the the sixth seed, which the Dolphins were one of the best teams in the AFC all season, and then go through the one and the two seed to get to the mm-hmm. Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, this was, this is, there's no doubt. I mean, this has been the most difficult road. And the most impressive thing to me, Nick, is that I, I think that these are the three most impressive games the Chiefs have played all season. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you're wrong about that one bit. So, I mean, ever since that Cincinnati game, they started slowly putting it together and everything, and they've just continued to build on that. And, boy, does Andy Reid look like a genius right now for giving everybody the week off of that Chargers game that needed that needed it, especially Travis Kelsey, the amount of rest. And, and that's what's cool, thinking about it right now. Travis Kelsey gave up a regular season streak, and because of that, he now has the postseason career streak of Jerry Rice's. So he sacri- and that goes back to what you and I have talked about before on the podcast, to where Travis Kelsey sacrificed the battle for the war, just yes. like the Chiefs. And I think that's I think that's really the biggest thing about Andy Reid's coaching staff and the players that have been around is they understand the end game and the and you know about how how you win the war instead of just going battle by battle. And I think that's what's made the difference. I think it's another reason why they've had that season experience that's leading them to yet another Super Bowl. Yeah, he made a calculated choice. He chose a a run for a Super Bowl over keeping alive at at streak. Mm -hmm. And it was a bet that paid off for Travis Kelsey. 
This game, you know, I mean, and, and we're talking about Travis Kelsey, I don't think there was, there's yeah. any doubt. This game, if we're going to start talk, telling the story of this game, uh, it is going to be that Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes absolutely owned the opening of this game. But the uh, perhaps the motivation that they had did not just start with the opening drive. Uh, these guys were already pretty pumped for this game, Nick, but then... Justin Tucker, Ravens kicker, future Hall of Famer, just had to try and play some head games, apparently. Yeah, you know, I mean, they say kicker, kickers are people, too. But um, today, Justin Justin Tucker, he, he apparently thought he was uh, Patrick Queen or Roquan Smith, who are much more physical presence guys, especially Roquan Smith, who have a, a mentality that fits the type of style that the Baltimore Ravens want to play in a certain mentality they have. Justin Tucker thought he was just as tough, thought he'd get in, get in the Chiefs' head the same way. And even though Lawrence Tynes put the tweet out, and that was, no, I'm sorry, that's garbage. I don't care if he played in the NFL or not. I'm just going to call it out that way. Like, I'm sorry. It, whether it's Little League or high school or college or pro, teams take one half of the field once they start doing the true warm-ups. And then the 50-yard line is kind of the in-between where neither side tries to pass respectfully, whether you're home or away. And so, like, for for him to specifically do that while Mahomes is passing and everything and, and getting his warm-up in and going out of his way to do that and to do his little lunges and his stretches and everything, I'm sorry, but, like, I was hoping Justin, Justin Tucker would miss every single kick that he had. An extra point kick, I didn't care. I wanted him to miss it. I wanted him to miss the football off the tee when he's kicking off a couple times. Like it just, it was such a clown move. And like, I mean, it was the dumbest thing possible to do. I'm sorry, bro. You're a kicker. Okay. Know your role and move to the other side of the field. But instead he didn't want to do that. He wanted to be uh, big and bad. And it's kind of funny because the whole Ravens defense, they were so heck bent on proving how tough they were and how physical they were in trying to intimidate the defending Super Bowl champions that it led to so many penalties. And above all else, guess what? It led to your offseason. So congratulations on advancing to the Pro Bowl because that's the only spot some of you guys are going. Good job on that one. Aces. And I loved afterwards Justin Tucker when he was doing lunges in the AFC Championship uh, trophy presentation there. Thought that was fitting. No, I'm kidding. He didn't actually do that, but he might as well have because that was about as smart as what he ended up doing being on the field at that time. And the thing that baffled me about it, Nick, is that there's a, I mean, there's a time and schedule window yeah. for kickers to go out and warm up before the game. And there's, yeah. there's like two separate windows. Right. And you see it week in and week out. I mean, I, 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 I try to get to the games, you know, at a ridiculously early amount of time. So I always get to see the kickers warming up, but right. so, you know, there, and it's a specific time. I mean, you'll look at it on the schedules and everything. I mean, there's, I mean, there is a time for everything for when mm-hmm. teams go out to warm up in the window and yeah, I mean, each team has their own half, but the kickers go out and are usually warming up in a different period than the entire all teams, all squad is out there. Right. 
So the kickers and the punters come out. They will work up on one end of the field. You know, their counterparts will be working on that end, too. Then they switch ends. They do their kicks. So they get to go both directions and test the wind and everything. Then the full squads come out. Then everybody goes back to the locker room. Then the kickers come out again with, you know, in full uniform and everything at that point and do more warm-ups pregame. But, you know, part of it is all about doing it so that you're not doing it when – you know, the, all the players are out there and you're going to hit guys with your kicks and there's not going to be people in your way. You're right. doing that. I have no idea what Justin Tucker was doing because he was like trying to put his kickstand on the goal line towards the, I mean, was he trying to practice 10 yard kicks? I don't know what he was doing other than just trying to be a menace. Yeah. And that's all he was doing. He was, he was trying to put a chip on his shoulder and give himself some disrespect, give his team some disrespect. And when you have to do something like that, that means you're fearful deep down at the end of the day. That means you're trying to overcompensate because you know you're not up to par. So that's what that ended up being. That's a little little, little psychological thing potentially. I could be terribly wrong, but I don't care either way because they can go on to the Pro Bowl or their offseason and have fun. Well, the Chiefs had a very simple game plan for this game. And, you know, we'll get to one part of it later because, the you know, the Chiefs started the game on defense and held the, the Ravens to a three and out, which was huge to get that to get the game started off that way. And we'll talk about the defense more in depth in a minute. But, I mean, to me, I, I think the play that really kind of sent the message to me, um, if anything, was absolutely probably the first throw to Kelsey that Mahomes had because that alone, I mean, it was just I think because it, it was a it was a tough catch Kelsey had, but it was just uh, to me a signal of things to come because those two guys were in one in the heart of the confrontation with Justin Tucker, but two were also I think that the, the guys who you know were most you know vocal about the week and everything like that about kind of being the underdog in this game and being focused for this one and these two guys absolutely came out with the eye of the tiger today, Nick. Yeah, I mean that throw that uh, Mahomes put on Kelsey's hip against Hamilton. Like I'm, I'm telling you, man, like that, when I saw that one, I was like, Oh, Ravens are in trouble. Cause that's, that's fearless Mahomes right there. That's, that's laser focused gunslinging. That's this, this is a, this is my field. This is my championship and nobody's going to stand in my way. Cause the laser pass he threw there, the precision, he threw it to where Hamilton didn't have a prayer and Kelsey was going to be able to get it and was going to be put in a safe spot where it wasn't going to be in harm's way in any way, shape, or form. Like that's That was the first message to me, okay, things are real today. And Patrick, you aren't going to be, you aren't going to question Patrick Mahomes' effort and his ability in this football game. Yeah, that the touchdown pass to Kelsey was just an absolute, I mean, that ball, one, no one could touch that ball except Travis Kelsey. He was right. the only one that could possibly get his hands on it. And it reminded me a lot of the 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 throw that Josh Allen made to Khalil Shakir last week, you know, against Legereus Sneed. I mean, that was same kind of thing. I mean, there's nothing that a defensive back can do about a throw like that. If the receiver catches it, just tip your cap because that was just an absolutely perfectly executed throw and catch. And yeah, when Kelsey got that touchdown, I mean, I texted a friend of mine and said, these guys aren't effing around today. Right? <laughs> no, you're, you're not wrong like that. I mean, that's, that's 
I, I'm just saying, like, I, I haven't seen a Mahomes throw at that level, that precision, like that kind of with that mentality that he had right there. I hadn't seen that in a while. And that was that's what that was championship Mahomes right there. And those two guys, Travis and Kelsey and Mahomes, 11 of 11 on targets, 116 yards and the touchdown. It was not a career day for Travis Kelsey. He's had more receptions. He's had more yards. But this was vintage Travis Kelsey. I mean, this was probably the best game that he's had. I'd put it above the games that he had this year against, you know, like the Broncos and the Chargers. He had more bigger numbers. But this, to me, was the best game of his season. Yeah, it was definitely, yeah, for me, it was definitely in the top two or top three. Um, yeah, just they really needed him because, I mean, for the most part, the Ravens, they were, the Ravens were pretty determined on keeping Rice in check and they were going to tackle anything underneath in the flats or any of the screens or anything like that. They were going to drop back at the sticks and just come downhill and, ta- and have sure tackles and, and just kind of stop everything and really stop the momentum of the offense. Then towards the end of the second half, they decided, okay, we're going to start blitzing now and get them out of rhythm and make them uneasy. And then, so then they started doing that and the chiefs really struggled to have an answer in the second half of the football game. And that's what kept it as close as it was. Cause that, I mean, cause above all else, um, Kyle Hamilton was, was the star of the Ravens defense. Just, how he flew around, how he went about his business. Like he, he was a star. Roquan Smith was, I expect him to have more of an impact than he did just kind of from a physicality perspective. And queen didn't have the impact that I thought he would. And let's be honest, there's really other than Meta BK. I mean, there, there wasn't really much on the defensive line that really kind of impacted. It was more of kind of a collective scheme, being able to execute at a level that was going to really stifle and frustrate the uh, Chiefs offense. Yeah, and and we're talking about perfect play. I think I had to put Patrick Mahomes in that category too because 30 of 39, 241, a touchdown. Not gaudy numbers, but in a season in which I think, you know, we, we'll probably talk about in the offseason. I mean, defense is caught up with offenses this year. Yep. And, and some of Patrick's best games this season have frankly just been games where he has been an outstanding game manager, and this was it. I mean, um, of those nine incompletions, maybe a half dozen were throwaways when he just got rid of the football because there was nothing there. Um, there were three plays where, you know, I, he had a, a short throw to Justin Watson, uh, one to Richie James that was maybe six inches off target, mm. um, one to Noah Gray that was, a little, you know, a little off. But other than that, I mean... Everything was there was not a single throw that was in danger of being turned over. Everything mm-hmm. was where it needed to be. Um, this has been three straight games for me for Mahomes, and I think they even throw the Bengals game in there, you make it four in a row. Where yes, he has absolutely just I mean, I I'm, I'm gonna say game managed because I mean he's been doing it at an exceptional level. It's not like he's and and I don't mean this is derogatory towards Alex Smith, but it's not like he's been Alex Smithing it out there. I mean, he has just been crushing it from a Patrick Mahomes. It's like Patrick Mahomes game manager. I mean, and that's not a bad thing. That's not an insult. That's because that's what he needs to do. That's what the Chiefs need when you got a defense like this. I'm just like, you know, I'd watch that show on Netflix, Patrick Mahomes game manager. <laughs> Tuesdays at eight o'clock. Um, no, it. Uh, yeah, I mean, like that's that's kind of the biggest tribute overall. Is just the fact that Mahomes isn't forcing it 
and he is he's not putting the ball in harm's way. If there's a and like I know fans are getting frustrated every time I put coaches from out there, and they'd be like, "Well, this guy's open and this guy's open." I'm like, "Yeah, but if that ricochets, that safety gets that." And no, that's not really open because a safety can close that safety specifically can close on that, and that that's not gonna that slant or that cross or that post isn't gonna be open either. So, yeah, Mahomes. I I feel like for the most part, Mahomes kind of accepted what the roster around him was. And so did the coaching staff and they made the proper adjustments that like, Hey, this is the path we need to go. Cause I wasn't, I wasn't asking Matt Nagy kind of week after week about red zone and identity and things like that. And the pressers, I wasn't asking that for the heck of it. It's because until you have those answers and you were going to be wandering around in the woods without a map and a cell phone, not knowing where the heck you are. And they finally, uh, they're finally out of the woods, and uh, you know, in the playoffs, they finally got their way back to the, to the road to Vegas, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> well, and maybe appropriately enough, because you talk about Vegas, um, the Raiders on Christmas Day was the absolute lowest point of the Chiefs' season, yeah. and you know, and and Mahomes. I mean, let's face it, Mahomes was very inconsistent through most of the season. He had a fine year. It was not, you know, MVP Patrick like we've been expecting from time to, you know, year to year. Yeah. Um, I mean, hey, Lamar Jackson's going to probably win NFL MVP. He deserves it. Yeah. Was not the better quarterback today. But you look at the inconsistencies that Mahomes had throughout the year. And, you know, especially, hey, you know, he was kind of MB Patrick when throwing the ball in certain situations behind the line of scrimmage up to 10 up to 20 yards past 20 yards down the line of scrimmage his numbers were absolutely terrible they were well off his career numbers right. it's where most of, i believe if i'm not mistaken i want to say that i i believe his touchdown to interception ratio over 20 yards was one to six yeah which you know that's just not. I mean, typically he one he doesn't turn over the ball on deep throws, but then usually throws a lot of touchdowns. And yes, yeah, some of that stems through to back to what weapons that he has. But I mean, my only critique and, and criticism of Mahomes' play throughout the season was that he was trying to continue to do things that this offense wasn't equipped to do, and defenses weren't letting him do. And he kept trying to do it anyway. And Andy Reid let him. Andy Reid kind of let him figure out on his own what he can't get away with this season. And the Raiders game was probably the final straw. I mean, that was the one that I think probably caused Patrick to do the most, you know, introspection and certainly I think caused the most from a play calling standpoint because the Chiefs play calling has certainly I think been different since Christmas Day. Yeah. But think about this. The Chief, Andy, you know, Patrick Mahomes did not have two consecutive games this year in which he didn't turn over the ball. He's now had four straight games ending the season, three of them playoff games in which he has not turned over the football. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, this has been his best football of the season has been the last four games. He's not making any mistakes at at that Christmas day game. I seems to really solidify a lot of thinking on this chiefs offensive side. And the, and the other thing is it doesn't always whatever they did between that time, everything doesn't seem like a fire drill all the time anymore. It's not like, well, that's there. Let's go take off and try to, you know, backyard school, toss it around and everything. Like they're, they're still keeping their structure. And like you said, 
it, you know, Mahomes is tossing it away sometimes if it's not realistic and he's not putting himself at risk with some of the runs that he would. He he needs to when it's a must-have kind of, you know, that it's a certain point in the game where it needs to happen. But for the most part, he's just – I think he's really grown this year. And I think this, this year forced him to grow as a quarterback. And I'm telling you right now, with the growth he had to do this year – uh, if they if they get that wide receiver room right in the offseason and if they add some speed to running back I, i'm telling you man like there it's it's just it's just impressive that last year people called it the rebuild year this year it's you know it looked like it was going to be a struggle and people were assuming they were going to be one and done or you know at one point if you think about it there was some doubt that after the Raiders game, they'd even make the playoffs. You know, there was still a risk that they wouldn't make the playoffs. And here they are in the Super Bowl yet again. So, I mean, I, I'm, it's just, it's just fascinating the road that they took to get here and how many detours they had along the way and how many times you and I in our mentions were getting fire Matt Nagy, fire Brett Veach, or this or that, you know, that people were saying. And, but it didn't, you know, it, it's like, I don't know. I'm just, and I know people want to give Mahomes the credit for everything, but man, what they've done is the past three weeks and what they've done over the years. That's, I'm not saying Mahomes doesn't help tremendously, but that's more than one player. That, that, that takes a certain level of right chemistry in a roster, right competitiveness and depth to where whenever Mike Edwards got hurt last week and Chamari Connor came in, he could do it. Whenever Willie Gay wasn't in, able to be in either game for the most part, whenever Charles Aminahue, got hurt with his knee and everything. You take all those things combined and they don't have terrible drop-offs like that. That speaks, that speaks to what the front office is doing overall in the roster. Now, there's still stuff that no matter what happens in the Super Bowl, that they're going to need to continue to develop. Oh yeah. You got Jim Harbaugh coming to the chargers. You already got Sean Payton. Who's looking for his next quarterback. Antonio Pierce is going to have a physical football team there in Las Vegas. The Bills are going to be determined to right the wrong. The Ravens are really going to be determined to right the wrong. And they're going to be and they're going to be hungry for the Chiefs in just as intense a way because they're going to be laser focused in the offseason about the Chiefs ended our season. They ended our Super Bowl season. They took what was ours. So that target is going to be bigger than a lot of other targets for the most part. So yeah, it's the Chiefs are going to have to evolve in a couple of months, but boy, man, they at the core and the compass of everything, when you take it ingredients, I think for the most part, they collectively as a roster do a good job, not listening to the outside noise, knowing that Andy Reid is going to get them to the path that they need to succeed. And if you ever have any doubt ever again, you just point back to this season, whether the chiefs do or don't win the super bowl is irrelevant because the road they took to get there, that's what I'm always going to marvel about for this specific Super Bowl, no matter what the result is. The you know, the fact that they potentially, in a lot of eyes, probably overachieved, and now the national media is going to talk about them for two weeks, that's, that's going to be funny in itself. But I, I'm, I don't know. I, I think I'm more, since we've had so many conference championships and we've had so many Super Bowls, I'm just more in awe of the level that it was at other times. And they got to this point where in 2019, the defense had to find their way. And now this year, the offense had to find its way. I don't know. It's just, it's just been, 
It's just been an interesting uh, ride to this point. I am going to take one segue uh, into some of the post-game comments because you talk yeah. about the front office. And I thought that Brett Veach, you know, took maybe a, a, a deserves to take a victory lap for putting together a Super Bowl roster when, like you said, there have been plenty of people on social media who have said, oh, fire Brett Veach. He was terrible. And look what he did with this receiver room. Well, it is a Super Bowl receiving room. So, you know, leave it at that. But he also went pretty detailed for the more so than at any point he has done so far this season in saying, one, I tried to get a first round receiver, couldn't get it to work. <laughs> Nobody would trade with them, so they could, couldn't get the first-round receiver that they wanted. Take Rasheed Rice, which obviously has been a great move. In case you don't, you yeah. guys didn't, in case people didn't notice, for everybody who does love Zay Flowers, Rasheed Rice had a better year than Zay Flowers did. And Zay Flowers, of course, also kind of pulled a McCole Hardman. But I digress. I, I want to say this, and then I'll get back to it. I'm sorry, but I am always going to dream of having Zay Flowers and and Rice together. Oh sure, no, that would be a, oh. And if Chiefs had if Chiefs had been able to pull that off, I mean that would have been the dream. And and and, and Zay Flowers would not have fumbled if he was you know with the Chiefs. But mm-hmm. <laughs> and then acknowledging that hey, you know what, free agency market wasn't really there, and didn't really mention the part about Chris Jones not really really letting them invest in free agency, but yeah. you know. Brett pretty much laid out after the game about, hey, hey, we did what we could with the receiver room. We tried to do more, you know, and hey, but you know what? Doesn't matter because Patty Mahomes makes it work. Yeah, that was the message from from Brad Beach. And it was yeah. a little bit of a, hey, you know what? I know you guys don't think that I care about the receiver room, but guess what? My receiver room just went to a Super Bowl. So there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, like, and that's here's, I, I'm, I'm gonna go off target here for a minute. And I'm sorry, this wasn't something we talked about in the prep either, but it just sparked in in my head from from you saying that. That's what I find so ridiculous about the Bill Belichick talk that keeps happening right now oh. about how Andy Reid is allegedly gonna retire and the Chiefs are gonna bring in Bill Belichick. First off, if Bill Belichick comes here. He's going to want ultimate power. The Chiefs have already been through Scott Pioli before. Don't need to go back to that way. And don't need to go back to that way. No. And you've got plenty of quality coaches on staff who would deserve promotions if somebody moved to head coach and then somebody moved into a role. I don't know, maybe on the defensive side, you've got three quality coaches on that defensive side that you, if I'm in the Chiefs shoes, I do not want to lose from the organization in any way, shape, or form because they're a big part of why the Super Bowl run is happening for the Chiefs. So yeah, when, when I hear that, I'm like, okay, so let's put puzzle pieces together. Is Bill Belichick still going to let Brett Veach have say over the roster? Is he still going to let him you know, be the one who picks the players and everything? Or here's a crazy idea. The guy who helped architect, and the people, and people will still debate this, and I don't really care anymore because there's only a handful of Dorsey players left on the roster. Yes, they're good players, but it takes more than just a couple good players to win a Super Bowl or to get to – you don't get to six consecutive AFC championships. You don't get to four Super Bowls in five or six years, whatever the heck it is at this point. You don't do all that unless you build an overall good collective and complementary roster. Like, yes, I understand that Brett Veach was involved in Chris Jones, and I get, I get Brett Veach was involved in, you know, in 
or John Dorsey was involved in Chris Jones and that he was involved in, you know, that he was technically the guy selecting or handing or calling in the card, whatever the heck you want to call it with Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. But Brett Veach was the one scouting Patrick Mahomes and he was the one getting in everybody's ear during, and people can say the stories after the fact. No, if you were plugged in the ground, like you knew that they were pretty, they were pretty into Patrick Mahomes and like Brett Veach was a huge part of why that was happening well before it ever became public and Therese did a phenomenal job getting some of those backstories out there that have been years in the making, but I'm sorry. I went on a little bit of a rant there, but if I mean to read, why would I retire right now? Why, why would you retire right now? All your coaches are in a great spot. Everybody's got phenomenal job security above all else. And you're, you're going to give it to somebody outside like a, like a bill Belichick that's going to tear everything apart that you did. Get the heck out of here. Let's not let's 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 stop right now. Whoever whoever is being bribed right now to put that story out there, let's let's just let's squash that. That's that's I don't know. It, it just bugged me hearing it multiple times lastly. I mean, if if you want to do anything for the heart rate of both Nick and myself, do me a favor, Chiefs fans. And I'm I, I, I won't say the names, you know who it is, but if you see anyone reporting and talk? I don't even say reporting. If you see anyone speculating about Bill Belichick coming to Kansas City, I want you to either block or mute them on social media so that you never see their nonsense again. Because all they're doing is they're trying to get you to click on because that's how they get paid. They get paid by making up nonsense and saying things that are just hyperbolic craziness such as i'm never going to watch the nfl again if tyreek hill ever plays another down in the nfl because yeah i'm talking about the same person but <laughs> and yet they're still covering the nfl we're yet still covering the nfl still getting just, a check from it these are heartbreak because then people won't talk about this nonsense and nick and i will feel so much better so that's your gift to us if you enjoy the podcast sorry but, i detoured off let's get back we both uh, my did. apologies we both did, but we needed to. We need to get that off our chest. Um, we are going to get to the defense because the defense is another big part of this because the Chiefs' plan to win this game was get a lead, turn it over to the defense. But they could have had a bigger lead had it not been for a very questionable call on uh, the drive that ended up, you know, in, late in the first first half that ended up, you know, being the Harrison Butker 52-yard field goal. Could have been a 21-7 lead um, if the officials had recognized that Trey Smith was blocking on a screen pass. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that, that's all, and that's a technique. Like, I mean, Mr. Swartz said it perfectly. I mean, that's a normal technique you see in a coach's film every week for offensive linemen. You're trying to you're trying to propel them at a, at a certain time in a certain way to keep them away from the quarterback, but also take their momentum and get them going forward. And I know people will argue and debate about, oh, well, he had it, he had it, he he had it a certain way and everything. But I, I'm telling you, like that, you see that week after week in the NFL. So like that, that kind of that kind of that call of holding on Trey Smith. That's what kept that game close until the bitter end. And and from a ratings perspective, it made for a better, uh, you know, more entertaining football game for just football fans in general. But in terms of like putting a game away, like that potentially puts that game away in a, in, in a very ugly fashion before halftime. 
So like, I mean, you know, so like that, that would have been, that would have been big if, if they didn't, if they didn't throw that flag that I didn't think was necessary there. Are there some penalties back and forth on either side that you're kind of like, well, they got away with this one. Well, they got away with this one over here. Yeah, no, I mean, but you know, that's, that it was on both sides of the football. It wasn't just one or the other. Because there were some plays with the Ravens. I thought they were going to get something there, and they didn't. But then there were some times with the Chiefs. I thought they were going to get some. Another officiating crews would have thrown it, and they didn't. The refs let them play more than people give them credit for today. Yeah, I mean, I, I it certainly there were more than a few moments that the Ravens fans thought that they should have had some penalties in the secondary. And you're right. They let them play. Um, I know... You and I, this was the first time, folks, that I ever got to watch a game in the presence of Nick Jacobs. And I'm just saying that if if KSHB wants to, you know, have like a, a, a prize contest where you get to watch a game with Nick Jacobs, you should all enter that because watching a game in Nick's presence, and we weren't even like next to each other. We were just in the same room. And and so I well, got it was, to... it, people need to know it's a, it's a massive newsroom mass yeah. at a conference table with uh with me, our sports director, Mike Schaefer, and McKenzie Nelson back there watching the game because I'm having to look in the system on the program and, and and help on some of that stuff. And then I'm pulling in video at the same time while I got four TVs up and I'm keeping tabs on, you know, the Chiefs game. And and I, I didn't tell you this part, Matt, but I've got, I've got two TVs live. I've got one on cable box, which gives me a four-second delay so I can see if I need to again. At least I'm over, and then I have the computer in front of me to, if I want to go back and look at each play, I can do that. So for me, that's kind of like heaven <laughs> um, during a game. In real, I figured time. you probably had figure skating going on too. Well, you know what, Matt, that might have been on TV number four. I just forgot to change it. <laughs> but it was, it was. I mean, that was an experience, and I, I treasure that. If I get to watch, you know, another Chiefs game in the presence of Nick, that will be a honor. Uh, it was great. Um, now, now people are going to want to know why, what, what about it that was fun or, or, you know, entertaining or whatever, whatever you felt or concerning and that I need help. One, you know, no, it's that you definitely don't need help because I mean, it's, it was a cathartic experience because, you know, you are, you are, you are a Chiefs fan, you know, so you get excited during games and you see things that a lot of people don't see. So, you know, just every once in a while hearing, you know, words coming out of your mouth and everything. <laughs> like holding. <laughs> you know, there was, I mean, there was a safety at that one that I was very frustrated about. Oh, the the oh there, there was you were you were very was, excited on it that. It was one. it was a leg it was a leg whip too. Yeah, the so, leg I mean, whip was, was a hold was... and a leg whip. The leg, leg whip was worse. I can't remember if that one should have been a safety because of the leg whip since a penalty occurred in the end zone. I know with holding it definitely wouldn't have been, but I wouldn't I wouldn't definitively sure either way. Yes, that's a safety was 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 definitely called out very loudly through the newsroom. That was Yeah, I hope my news yes. director didn't hear it. <laughs> that was very that was very clean though. So, you know, it was very that was a very family oriented call. So I try my best with that. <laughs> But, um, and I don't even remember where I was going. I just remember now that I was just talking about what a wonderful experience it was watching a game in your presence. Um, and, and how, we were talking and how about there needs the, to be a contest. <laughs> the officiating and yeah. 
Um, and just, hey, it, it kind of went both ways. I mean, I don't think it was really imbalanced one way or the other. Were there blown calls and missed calls? Maybe, yeah, but they were letting them play. And and that probably did help the Chiefs secondary. I mean, there was definitely some moments. I know there was some debate about whether that should have been maybe holding um, on the Deion Bush interception. I'm glad that they did not call holding on a ball that was that badly underthrown that the receiver had no chance of coming back for because he was in triple coverage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's probably my final point on, on the offense. It's a, it's a good point to transition to the defense because whereas the Chiefs offense was very in control, even when it was struggling in the second half, they weren't making mistakes. The Ravens' defense was just playing spectacularly. Um, the Chiefs were doing well. Oh, I know. And one thing I wanted to put a bow on was that that the holding call against Trey Smith that was not holding negated one of the best designed and executed screens in the mm. history of mankind. And the holding call had no impact on the play. Right. That did not impact the touchdown whatsoever. It was that was just an absolutely beautiful screen, beautiful run by Rasheed Rice. The fact that it doesn't count just breaks my heart for the kid. But that was the difference between these two offenses is that the, the Chiefs offense played within control, very few mistakes, three penalties, no turnovers. You can't say the same thing about the Ravens. The Ravens offense had a lot of mistakes, three turnovers, eight penalties on the day. But the reason, Nick, is because Steve Spagnuolo's defense just absolutely drove them batty. Yeah, I mean, there's three there's three things with the Chiefs defense that opponents either don't want to attack or just are arrogant enough to refuse to attack. So for for the Chiefs, it's 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 threefold. The first one is you you match up a running back with the Chiefs linebacker. That's not Drew Tranquil. You do that, you have a chance to to kind of win for the most part, especially whenever they're going up against Nick Bolt. So like there's there's a chance to win that. And you know, hypothetically, maybe sometime you extend the lineup Zay Flowers, who <laughs> Nick Bolton has to cover, even though he did he did as good as he could with his athletic ability against. He, him. he covered him for seven seconds. Then yeah, so the play just lasted seven and a half. So that's the problem. yeah, so you you have that portion of isolating a linebacker with a running back. Then the second part of it is the Chiefs at times do struggle against the run when you physically run right at them and some power plays and everything, the chiefs do wear down on the defensive line and a linebacker, and they do struggle at times against the run. And then finally, the other piece of the puzzle is, let's see. So you got the run, you got that. Um, Oh, tackling an open space. Like the, the chiefs can get a little sloppy tackling an open space. And the Ravens took full advantage of, of that. But it just amazed me how much the Ravens abandoned their power run game and did not lean on it the same way that they did against the Houston Texans because the Chiefs were almost – the Chiefs were at minimum double in them on defensive snaps to their offensive snaps. But then it seemed like everything flipped today, especially in that first half to where how long that Ravens defense was on the field and how the Chiefs wore them down – and just it was like the exact opposite of it to kind of even the playing field for the most part. So it I don't know, it was, it was actually kind of impressive. Their strategy was really, really impressive. It, it really was. I mean, you know, it's you can say on a, on simple terms that it was just, you know, a matter of 
to a degree, you know, the typical Steve Spagnuolo approach against Lamar Jackson is that you don't let him beat you with his legs. You keep him contained. You ensure that he doesn't break out and scramble for a hundred yards on you or have a designed runs that are going to, they, they, I mean, the Ravens were to me pretty worried about even just letting Lamar run and designed runs. I mean, they did pick up a first down in a short yardage situation where, you know, they, they went to him, but the fact that the, the Ravens fall into the trap, it seems like every single time against the chiefs mm-hmm. is that as soon as they fall behind, they stop running the football and they do exactly what the chiefs want them to do, which is to put the ball into the, the arm of Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. And that's what once again, they did. And the chiefs with a lead, just went after Lamar, went after him with the pressure, went after him with their um I don't know if they were they were really I mean, you know, I know Legarius Sneed played said they only played two coverages, but then again, I mean the Chiefs coverages are pretty complex. Right. And they do a lot of, you know, dividing the field into, you know, half. So you you're gonna have, you know, maybe you may have man on one half and zone on the other. And they did plenty of that to confuse Lamar Jackson. But, I mean, it was a simple plan. It was contain Lamar so he can't, you know, go for 100 yards on the ground against you and and just challenge him to beat you with his arm. And he could not do it today. Yeah. And above else, the streak still continued to where the Chiefs still have not given up more than 24 in the playoffs. That's that's fascinating to me that they that they held. Those three caliber of opponents in the Dolphins, Bills, and and Ravens to those numbers with what each team had weapon-wise on offense, like that that speaks volumes about what Steve Spagnuolo's done, what what Joe Collins done, what Dave Merritt's done. Like those guys are just they're phenomenal coaches, they're phenomenal coordinators. And like they they brought it this entire postseason run. And I'm thankful that they're here in Kansas City and I hope they stay in Kansas City for quite some time. So whatever you gotta pay him to keep him here, you go ahead and do that. Um but yeah, I mean they they had Lamar rattled. And like Lamar look, Lamar's not the most accurate quarterback outside the numbers to begin with. And he's not he needs a certain rhythm and certain confidence. And if you don't if you're not using the run game to help balance it, like he he gets out of whack pretty quickly. And once he sees some blitzes and takes some hits he is a little bit more rattled and like they're the Ravens. I, it just fascinated me. The Ravens, I thought they did such a poor job play calling wise to try to get him back into rhythm at times. Cause the most confident he was, was after that fourth and one that he ran off on the tear. And I can't remember if they scored with flowers on that driver. It was another drive, but like that, you know, there's, there's a certain things you got to do with a quarterback that hasn't been there and done that in terms of winning the AFC conference championship, going to Super Bowl, and hasn't been on those stages. Like you, there's, you've got to handle them a certain way. And I just, I feel like Todd Munkin didn't, didn't do a good job of that and just really abandon what, what, who the Ravens are, what their identity is. Cause I know when you have Zay flowers and you got Odo Beckham and then obviously you have Bateman and you got Nelson Aguilar and you have well, you have that skill set wise at receiver, and then you have likely and and returning Mark Andrews. Like you should be able to do a lot more than than what they did today, whether Steve Spagnuolo's you know the DC or not. But there's just I don't know. There was a lot that uh, Lamar seemed very overwhelmed, and he really unfortunately he wilted under pressure, 
and that's going to eat him alive all off season. That's going to bug him. It will drive him, but that's going to bug him. And then I, I feel awful for Zay Flowers. I know it's football and everything, but man, that's a player that's going to haunt you for a while, fumbling right before the end zone. And he's going to tell himself all off season if he'd protected that ball or done this differently or done that differently that they're tied, and then maybe they're going to the Super Bowl. And you know, and just to have to deal with that all off season and. Probably even some of the people on social media are going to say whatever they're going to say to you that's not even accurate. Like that's that's another thing that I, I do feel bad for him. And you know, they look collectively Ravens defense. That's that's a different thing. I can separate those, but I do feel bad for Zay Flowers and just just the stigma that Lamar Jackson is going to have this off season until he gets back to the postseason next year. Hopefully for him and the Ravens like that. That's that's gonna be a little bit of a tough road, but they'll uh, have an opportunity to have a chip on their shoulder either way. Yeah, the the Chiefs have created that rough off seasons now for two franchises because the Bills are gonna have the exact same conversation. Their conversation is you can't beat the Chiefs in the postseason. So what are you gonna do to fix that? Right. Ravens are now yeah, you can't win the big one. Chiefs got you now. What well, I mean? How do you how do you get over the hump? Can Lamar ever do it? And mm-hmm. and you know and I mean and Zay was the exact same situation that McCall Hardman found himself in last week. I mean, yeah, you know what? If he just goes down, believe the Ravens have first and goal at the one. Yeah. I mean, they're punching it in. Two things. Two 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 things that really stood out to me in this yeah. game, number wise. Um, but ba- one baffles me, and that was you know, Gus Edwards' three carries, twenty yards. Mm. Why? And like you said, I mean, the Chiefs are susceptible on the ground defensively at times. What in the world did the did, did Munkin do? Just abandoning the ground game. Yeah, I, I still. I mean, I, I'll, I'll have no answer because there's nothing the Chiefs were doing scheme-wise. It just got to a point where I just – part of me kind of wonders if the coaching staff was was calling so hard – or among us calling so hard, but, like, they were rooting so hard to kind of let, let Lamar have this moment and get that – the stigma off his back that people were putting on him about how he can't do this, can't be a passer, can't do this or can't do that. And part of it also may have been with Mungin, may have been part of ego too, where he's trying to prove, hey, I'm the guy that's smart enough to, to help Lamar get past that hump and win an AFC championship and get us to the Super Bowl. So at the end of the day, I think it, it could, I mean, it seemed, it feels kind of like from a distance, part of ego and just, and just part stubbornness and kind of just really trying to prove a point when at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're trying to prove, don't, don't worry about proving a point, you're trying to win. You're trying to win a championship. So what helps you win a championship? That's what you need to go do. Don't worry about what the style points look like. Sit in the, sit in the Olympics, okay? Not trying to get style points on this. Just go out there, do what has to be done so you can hoist that Lamar Hunt trophy, and then you can try to hoist that Lombardi trophy. Again, goes back to what I said earlier, man. There's some people that want to win the public opinion or the war or the battle, but... There's some people that, that are genuinely about trying to win the war, and the Chiefs are one of those organizations, and they have that culture with Andy Reid. My other favorite statistic from this game uh, it was, um, do you remember who the second, after you listed off all these targets, all these guys that, that Lamar Jackson has around him, do you remember who was the second leading receiver for the Ravens at halftime? Oh, at halftime? Yeah. 
Because Flower, Flowers had a couple catches, but he didn't have a ton. He had the 39. He had one. He had the 39-yard touchdown. Okay. In the so first I'm probably half. blending in third and fourth. Quarter. You know, where it was a broken play that yeah. uh, Leo Chanel had a sack that then after Lamar was able to dance around for 7.57 seconds before throwing the football. Mm-hmm. The second uh, leading um, receiver for the Ravens in the first half. Sadly, I, I know I'm going to be wrong on this one, but I'm just going to say it anyways. Lamar passing himself, probably. Lamar Jackson was the second leading receiver for the Ravens in the first half with 13 yards. That's how dominant the Chiefs defense was. That's... That their two leading receivers in the first half for most of their because Lamar only had 67 yards, I believe, in the first half. And 47 of them were either um the broken play with to Zay Flowers in the end zone for the touchdown. And oh, no, 52 of the 67, that was 39, and then 13 with Lamar off the batted pass. Yeah. yeah. Those that was the majority of their offense in the first half. Absolutely and, dominating performance from the Chiefs defense. And when uh, it's just this is crazy to me because I know this is bad to me to say, but man, you take those you take those weapons on the Ravens and you put them on put them on the Chiefs, like Andy Reid's hanging 50 every week type of thing. If and you then, you don't even need to take them all, take Zay Flowers, likely. Yeah. Maybe maybe another receiver to heck who you want. You know, if you need to if you need Beckham, okay, sure. <laughs> that's, that's honestly uh, even like even just let me be Aguilar or Rashad Bateman, put one of them. Oh, so there was eight flowers. Yeah. That's such a misuse of that talent. And again, that's not us saying that Steve Spagnuolo didn't do an amazing job. It's just like, gosh, man, there's, there's a certain level of coaching that's in this league. And the Chiefs had the benefit to where they have a mind like Andy Reid on that side of the ball. And they have Steve Spagnuolo's mind on the other side of the ball. And they have some good position coaches on each side along the way. Like that. It's just that that's why the Chiefs are uh, the Chiefs <laughs> have had the success in this six year window that they have. So it's just just fascinating, man. Do you have I mean, I think that obviously the Legarius Sneeds knocking the ball out of Zay Flowers' hands yeah. is gonna be the um lasting image from this game defensively. Did you yeah. have do you have any uh, anybody else on the defensive side that either had a big play or a big game that really stands out to you? Um, when I go back and rewatch later without having occasional interruptions in it, I, I think there will, I think I'll find a couple. I mean, a, a mini Hughes strip sack earlier in the game was a big one. The Dion Bush one, look, he caught the pass and everything. And, and I'm not knocking him on that, but Lamar was panicking and throwing into triple coverage. So hopefully somebody was going to catch it among the three. He made, he made the play that was given to him. Right, right. So, <laughs> and I'm not knocking him on that. Man, I'm yeah, I'm trying to think if there's there's one more that stood out. Oh, um Tershawn Morton on Lamar. Yes. yes. That one where he took the angle and like the, the Chiefs defensive line is just worn down at that point and they're on fumes, or there may not even be fumes left in the vehicle. They're just they're just going on pure will at that point. And like the angle he took to keep Lamar from being able to get that first and how how he just he he predicted it correctly and was able to kind of make a stop there. That that was one that really kind of now I think about it. That one kind of really stuck out to me. We're like, man, that's that's a really underrated play that's not going to get the love that it that it properly deserves until the coaches film on Monday night or Tuesday. 
Yeah, I'm I'm with you. The Tershawn Wharton play really stood out to me. But I think what just struck me, at least yep. in watching it live, was that if you wanted to pick out a, a a big key moment or a big key player from the Chiefs defense, I think he almost could have picked like nine different guys yeah. because, you know, Omenihue, that sack was huge. George Karloftis had a big sack and the fumble recovery off the Aminahue sack. Um, Trent McDuffie gets the fumble recovery off of the luxurious Sneed force against Zay Flowers. Uh, Justin Reed had a huge sack on a third yeah, down. Yeah, that one against the back. That was you know that. I mean, it was just it just seemed like countless guy after guy was making plays. It wasn't just one. Drew Tranquil has eight tackles, leads the way. I mean, it just seemed that they were coming in waves as far as yeah. just. Everybody had a good day. I mean, I I can't really say that you know anybody was you know poor or you know and um, even special teams. Joshua Williams had a great open field tackle mm-hmm. on Duvernay that just absolutely stopped him. Um, they did get victimized on one nice little return, but it, it didn't really come back to haunt them. Yeah. Um, but this defense just really, to me, had an overall amazing performance against this team. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I can't disagree with it. When you start kind of going back on individual plays and adding them all up, and just how many times the Ravens didn't even get past their their own fifty, and just how it seemed like there was just this wall or barrier for most of the game that they couldn't even get to that point. So, and then Bolton man dropped that one interception. That one could have been <laughs> that one could have been another one where the Chiefs could attack on some points, but. He did drop that like a man who has a broken wrist. So yeah, I know you said that in the moment. You're like, well, he does, and I, it wouldn't be said to somebody else. And you're like, well, he does have a broken. Hand. He does have a broken wrist. So let's we'll give him a little slack there. Touche there, sir. Little slack. Um, but one guy who who did not have a drop that really finished the whole game off with an exclamation point. Nick game gets gets salted away at the, at the end with. The Circus of Circus Catches by Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Yeah. No, I mean, look, I mean, you're, you're going to have to give him credit for what he did in Buffalo last week. And then also, again, for that for that moment to have that that moment, season, season on the line, Super Bowl on the line. You catch this, you're going to the Super Bowl. You're going to be in Vegas. You have a chance to win another ring, another potential parade, another Lombardi, all that combined. And that moment right there, he was able to come down with that football. Now, was it was it the most beautiful way, <laughs> or or the most perfect catch, or the most perfect technique, or anything like that? No, but to be able to do that and come up with that moment, like you have to recognize and, and give him credit on that one. And I'm personally not gonna hate on him for that one because, like that, with with the struggles he's had this year and how frustrating it's been overall to still take advantage of that moment, ignore everything in the past, not let it get in your head, and to be able to come up with such a clutch, crucial catch in a high-pressure situation on the road. Like, I mean, that that's a big moment for him in his career. Yeah, for a, a guy who has had a tough year. I mean, yeah. even even though I I know that Marquez has tried to smile through it and and project confidence through it, you know, in his heart of hearts, he he, he hurts that he's had such a tough year. And mm-hmm. and I, I I said this. I'll, I'll quote myself. I said this earlier today on a radio interview. Um, I, I sometimes feel like Chiefs fans are mad at Marquez for not going around kicking puppies because of just how bad a year he's had. Mm-hmm. 
But, you know, he has tried his best to have a positive view through the whole thing. His teammates still have his back. I mean, how many times have we heard it? I mean, I think Travis Kelsey said it a half dozen times is, hey, you know what? We got this guy's back because we know at a big moment he's going to make a play for us. And back-to-back games, he's done that for the Chiefs. He made three big plays the last two weeks. And, you know, I mean, you almost have to be happy for a guy like that that has struggled through so much and, and certainly has endured a tough year. To have a moment like that, I mean, that's kind of what this game's all about, Nick. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he had perseverance and he battled through it to get to get to that end of the end of the rainbow where the pot of gold is, or Lombardi in this case. So, look, I mean, props to him. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to knock him on it. That's for sure. Well, um, after the Chiefs put this one away, um, I was all set to, you know, start the. Uh, Chiefs and Lions week one repeat narratives because it certainly looked like that was going to be who the Chiefs were facing in two weeks. I was excited for it. I really was. That would have been a great matchup, but the poor, poor Detroit Lions could not hold on to the 24-7 lead. And instead of a week one rematch, we get a Super Bowl 54 rematch. Yeah, I mean, Dan Campbell made a lot of poor decisions in high-pressure situations that cost his team a Super Bowl, you know, run. And so that's that's something he's gonna have to live with. And that's what a lot of the players are gonna have to be frustrated with for the most part. Like there was some decisions in terms of potentially kicking field goals, a third down run there near the end where he forced himself to call a timeout that really kind of ended the game unofficially. So there there was there was just a lot there, a lot of blunders to where the Lions haven't been in those high stakes situations and and the Chiefs have, and some other team, you know, the 49ers technically have, and on both sides of the ball, you know, both positive and negative over the years. So, yeah, it's it's a good learning experience if the Lions can get back, but if they can't get back, then boy, is that that is a frustrating, haunting thing, like the 1983 uh, Chiefs-Bills uh, conference championship game. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you almost feel like that the Lions could be back because they've got a very good young nucleus. And I mean, as being someone who will admit, hey, I was wrong because I was in that group that that saw, you know, Dan Campbell's introductory press conference and thought this guy doesn't get it. This guy's a, a corny, you know, he'd be, hey, I, he's my linebackers coach. I love him. He's probably a great defensive coordinator. But as a head coach, this guy's over his head. And I had smart people telling me, no, 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 don't don't buy into the the press conference. They're like, he's a better coach than that. This guy's the real deal. And he's proven that. So hopefully they will be back. But we also know that, hey, Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers are not to be trifled with. Yeah. And I'm, I'm and I know I'm looking so far ahead right now, but boy, the Chiefs. Man, the Chiefs got the Ravens on their schedule again next year. They're gonna have Jim Harbaugh's Chargers. They're gonna have the Bills. So they get to face up Harbaugh. They're gonna at least have the, three times next year. And then, yeah, exactly. And then they got the 49ers on their schedule next year. So basically, their whole playoff run this year, minus the Dolphins, they're gonna get to play in the regular season in 2024. But it's so far ahead. I apologize, but yeah, no, I mean, hey. You know, George Kittle vowed he was going to get back there someday after they lost to the Chiefs in that Super Bowl, and here's their moment. They did. They got back. So, 
Get ready for an interesting week of Brock Purdy versus Patrick Mahomes. Well, two weeks, actually, of Brock Purdy versus Patrick Mahomes. And I will say, I am thankful the Chiefs are going to get two weeks to kind of rest and recover to a certain extent. And when I say rest, I don't mean that they don't practice. I'm just saying not that that Ravens game was such a physical football game that their body's going to need two weeks to recover to get back to hopefully optimal performance. Because if they were having to play a game this upcoming Sunday, boy, I would be worried. I'd be worried about an injury report because just this week, I think the Chiefs had 17 players on the injury report against the Bills, and that was a, that was a physical game. But it wasn't the physicality at the level that the Ravens were. That was that was a that was a whole another level of physicality. But that I think that's one of the toughest things the Chiefs have gone through, both offense and defense this year. And yeah, that woof, that was that was every bit of a of a battle and dogfight that I thought it was going to be when we were having the podcast last week and then when we did the Q&A on Tuesday. Yeah, and, you know, and you're right. I mean, you know, rest this week is a, a big deal in the sense that, they're, hey, they're not playing a game on Sunday, and that's where the real benefit comes mm-hmm. in. Because, you know, for Andy Reid, this is not really a rest week. I mean, they will have at least two days that are going to be considered practices, but they're going to have walkthroughs and it's going to be a, probably a a higher intensity prep week this week because Andy Reid wants that game plan for the Super Bowl in place before they get on the plane mm-hmm. next Sunday. Because the one thing that he knows as a head coach is that that next week in Las Vegas is a circus. It is nonsense. Um, it starts with opening night on Monday and just gets even more ludicrous from there. Um, you really don't have time to get much accomplished football wise because, you know, the players are doing so many interviews and they've got media sessions and they've got network commitments and all and sponsor deals and you know all this nonsense and everything that i mean you your your football time next week is limited this this is the week that you get the game plan in place and you get your players ready ready for the 49ers yep yeah it's uh, but the chiefs know that routine they know that it's they got it down be, they got it down to a t i was going to say this is going to be year 4 out of the past 5 that they're going to know what to expect and, and what's going to happen. And they, they've, they're they probably so used to the halftime show now and how long that in-between is going to be from an adjustment perspective and all that combined. They, uh, yeah, it's, um, I'm interested to see here, here in a couple of weeks the, what it's going to be like and and how, how the two are going to match up. But, I mean, I'm not going to pretend I wouldn't have loved the Chiefs' chances against the Lions. But I still, I still really like their chances against the Niners, because yes, uh, with what they've gone through the past three weeks, that gives you a lot of confidence, especially against the Ravens today. Because man, that's one of the most physical. Like I said before, that's one of the most physical defenses I've seen the Chiefs have to play in in probably four or five years. I only have one potentially minor complaint. Okay, and that is going to be that. You know, because it is an even year, they alternate each year. AFC is the home team for Super Bowl 58, which means that the Chiefs get first choice of, like, practice venue, of hotels, of meeting schedules. You know, last year, Eagles got the first choice of everything. And and one thing to Andy Reid's benefit was that the Eagles chose the um, afternoon media requirements and the morning practice, which... 
is the is not the one that Andy Reid wants. Andy Reid wants the players to have the morning media commitments and then their practice is basically the same time that their practice is in Kansas City. So I know what he's going to choose this year, which means that for, for for those of us media, you know, lazy types going out, that the, the Chiefs media, I'm sure, will be at 8 o'clock in the morning in Las Vegas, which that is too early for me, Nick, so... That's my only complaint is that I have to be at at work at eight o'clock in the morning. Well, man, it makes you feeling better. There's only there's only a couple of years in your life you've had to deal with this problem. At least it's not an every week <laughs> or an every year thing. No, it's not. It's not. It's starting to feel that way, Nick. <laughs> there's just a restaurant I hope you go to while you're there, um, and we will talk about that uh, another time on uh, on where I hope you you test out. <laughs> I will I will need all the recommendations you got, Nick. So and everybody out there in, in podcast land. So this lay is, me this on. Is, this is one that Frank Sinatra frequented a lot from what I've read about and a lot of other big celebrities, including I think Elvis Presley and some others. It's a it's a it's a pretty big staple there since the fifties in Vegas. Oh, it's okay. actually literally a reason. Um, I would actually, it's single-handedly one of the reasons I would go to Las Vegas just to have that dining experience at that place. I, I have not been to Vegas in a long time, so I'm, I'm, I know it's going to have changed a lot since I've been there, but I'm looking toward, forward to it. I'm just saying, I, a goal of mine in life is to go to Las Vegas at some point just to see it and experience it, but I want to be able to do it without having to have any work commitments. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> I want to yeah, live the, in the moment and enjoy the heck out of it. The work commitment is the thing that gets in the way of it all, Nick. Well, and you know what my work commitment would be. <laughs> you got to experience <laughs> that today. You got to experience a piece of that puzzle. Yes. I mean, yeah, go, living through the Nick Jacobs fantasy camp today. The fantasy um, camp. Oh <laughs> I got to say... Um, you know, because hey, just to let everybody know how the sausage is made. I mean, Nick was at work at eight o'clock this morning. We were, we were, I, I roll uh, the talent, which I get to, you know, loosely yeah, you call, are, call you me, are the talent, which yeah, I get to loosely call myself IFD. today. I'm the talent. Um, got to, you know, roll in at a, you know, leisurely like 9 45. So, um, <laughs> be on the air at 10. And, you know, and, and then I got to roll out of there like, I guess I was home about nine, nine fifteen. Um, Nick gets home to the point where we're still recording this at one thirty-three a.m. So that's it the kind of day that Nick Jacobs has. It's 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 not a problem. I can't complain. It's, it it would have been worse if they'd lost. <laughs> but, You're living your dream, Nick. It might not I, be everybody's I, dream, but it's your dream. I can't complain. And I, I do want to ask you this though, from having because uh, this is the first time you you had to have me in your your IFB. Like throughout an entire like analysis style of show, so yeah, you, sh- you can share that one with the viewers. How quickly I'm like, all right, rap, rap, just how quickly and speedily I am with that type of stuff. You know what I'm really proud of is that you know from my experiences on Sunday Sound Off, I am now to the point where when you tell me to wrap up or I only have ten seconds left, that I don't freeze as much anymore. <laughs> no, where I get this and I'm like, oh, I only have 10 seconds left. What do I do? And I just stop talking for a second. I, I'm better at that. Although we now know I need to stop swaying. Hey, you know what? We all we all learn stuff. Well, because when you're on sound off, you're sitting in a chair. So like there's no there's no chance because you're gonna fall off the chair that we have at the at the building. See, I was trying to emulate TV's Mick Schaefer. Uh, he sways, but he knows how to sway. 
I don't. So well, I was swaying in the wrong direction, in the wrong way. Oh, I'm just saying for our directors that have the robotic cameras, I felt bad for them because it's like they're having to move the. It's like a joystick they're having to move with, with, with the sway to keep it centered up. Yes, I definitely because if I you told me if I didn't stop swaying, I wasn't going to be invited to your birthday party. Well, okay, now you're just you're letting people know too much of how the sausage is made. So. <laughs> but but you quit swaying, so I accomplished the goal. <laughs> Woohoo, I'm proud of myself. <laughs> well, we uh, Nick Nick has uh, volunteered to uh, possibly make sure that we're back here next week for a just 49ers Chiefs preview. So hopefully we'll be back in your stream. You're not going to have to wait for us for two weeks. You'll only have one week to wait for us to be back yep. in. And we'll be back here in 41 as the mic to look at Super Bowl 58 and the Chiefs and the 49ers. Uh, I will have our, our weekly Chiefs Digest Q&A on Tuesday night that Nick oftentimes shows up for, even though it's his day off. I'll show up. Don't worry. <laughs> you are the best, Nick. You are the greatest. <laughs> So bring your questions on Tuesday, and we will answer them. And we'll see what else. Uh, you know, the Chiefs will have a couple of media availabilities this week, so you will get some Chiefs news out of Arrowhead Drive this week. Uh, we'll, and we have Andy Reid on Monday a little bit, you know, for those of you listening Monday morning, just in a couple hours. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back at it with what the Chiefs' is, news is going on this week. But... Any parting thoughts, thoughts, Nick? Anything just had to get off your chest? No, I already did with the Bill Belichick thing. I'm pretty, I can sleep soundly tonight. We, that was... we, t- we, we, we hammered on Belichick and Justin Tucker. We've, we've touched it all. Yeah. I, I, now that those are done, I can, I can sleep peacefully tonight. I just have to give one more quick salute, though, to uh, Travis Kelsey and to Legereus Sneed for successfully getting personal foul penalties called on their opponent without responding and retaliating and getting offsetting penalties or even just drawing the flag themselves, even to the point where Travis Kelsey was so proud of himself that he couldn't stop laughing. All right, you've, you've inspired my final thought. <laughs> now that I thought about it. Um, yeah, and I think, it, yeah. With Sneed had the punch out on Flowers, if I remember correctly, and and I say that because it's one thirty-seven in the morning, and I don't I don't remember what day it is right now. Um, but um, you you and I remember at camp every day. It's so fitting that the guys kept trying to punch the ball out of Travis Kelsey and all the offensive players, and that that's part of them doing that in training camp every day, and Kelsey kind of getting heated with some of the guys that were doing it, that that literally is what is helping send them to the Super Bowl by doing that to Zay Flowers because of what they did back in July and August and Kelsey getting a little frustrated with it at times and like him getting him having to experience some of that, like that's what's getting them back to that Super Bowl. I kind of, I find that kind of fitting in, in, in a fun way. Because maybe Travis Kelsey doesn't go 11 catches on 11 targets with no fumbles and Kyle Hamilton slashing away at him and hacking away at him without all those guys pestering him back in July. There's that too, Matt. It's the big circle of life, Nick. It's a circle. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's it's continuous. It's a circle. Well, we have finally broken Nick. He is he's he has been awake for I think well, not just awake, but like working for 16 hours. So we need to reboot him. <laughs> That's true. I'm not I'm not gonna lie on that one. 
<laughs> Thanks, everybody, once again for joining us. Uh, hit the likes, the subscribe, the bell, whatever it is that you got in front of you. Leave a review, five stars, anything like that to help people guide the podcast. We truly appreciate it. And, of course, like I said, please block anyone who on your social media accounts uh, is saying that Andy Reid's going to retire and Bill Belichick will come to Kansas City. So. I bid you adieu. You've been listening to 41 is the Mike, presented by KSHB 41, your home of the Chiefs and Chiefs Digest.